Starting a new series today, if it's your first week with us, it's a good week to start. We're going to look at the book of James. James is in the kind of the back of the New Testament there, almost to Revelation. And if you're interested in following along, I'd encourage you to, to, to read along with me as we go through James. And if you've got your Bible there or, or a phone, an app on your phone, and maybe even highlight something or make a note there where you can come back and look at it again. I think some of the things we're going to get into in James are stuff that everybody deals with. And so it's real practical, and hopefully you can find some things to, uh, to draw from there. Before I get into that, before I get into the sermon, I did want to make mention of our, of our high school mission trip this last week. They went to near Ensenada in Mexico and built a house there. Over the last week, the house is not quite finished here in the picture. They got a little more done than, than that, but, uh, but that gives you an idea of what it was, and it was uh, a relatively good weather. They were in, the, in a mountain kind of area. It was uh, uh, 70s and low 80s the whole time, and, and uh, they were able to get quite a bit done. Now, because they represented us all week, I mean, they're driving around in a van that has our name and our website and our phone number on the side of it. So uh, I, I, I want you to know that they represented us real well. And I think Mount Pleasant came off looking pretty good there. And, and I'm just real proud of them and, and proud of all the extra work that they put in. And, and it makes a big difference for, for that family uh, that's going to get to live there and, and maybe get to minister there in that town. And, and so we're real happy that we got to, to do it. Now, because of the nature of the trip... Uh, it was only a few days that they were there, you know, uh, five, five or so work days that they were going to be able to be there. Because the nature of the trip, they had to have a lot of stuff set up ahead of time. There was a, uh, uh, a, a lumber yard there in Mexico that was going to bring supplies to them. And then they had to pr- uh, pay ahead of time somebody to come lay the foundation, the concrete and everything. And, uh, and it wasn't done exactly right. The, the, the foundation uh, followed the, the slope of the hill, so it's, it's two inches lower on one side than it is on, on the other. And, uh, and, and, and it wasn't, uh, the plumbing wasn't in the right place, and uh, the, 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 the bolts that was going to attach the, the, the house, they weren't where they were supposed to be in the concrete. The, 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 uh, it was a square pad. It was 32 feet on this side and 31 feet on this side. The... Uh, um, there's a museum at IU right by the fountain, and if you go to the museum, one of the things they let you know is that the museum, kind of famously, there's not one square corner in the whole museum. It's an artistic expression. There's also a house in Mexico that's kind of like that, and there's not one, one square corner there. But, 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 but it was one of those deals that what are you going to do? You know, you're there. You're on the mission trip. You're ready to work. It's not right. So what do we do? Do we just quit? Do we whine about it? Do we complain? Well, no, you just have to adjust. And so they redrew their plans and they, they figured it out. They made it work. Um, and I'm real proud of them. I mean, when everything is going smooth and you, and you do a good job, that's, that's also commendable. But when everything is going miserably and, and you've got to get it done in just a real fast time and then to get it done anyway with everything going on, well, that's, that's even more commendable. And it kind, of a, it kind of gives me an illustration that I want to use and, and come back to today as we look at this first chapter of James. You know, life won't always make it easy for you. You have certain plans for your life financially and as a family, and, and uh, you want to get certain places with your life. There's certain things you want to do, you know, with how your life goes. But we're all dealt different cards in life. We all start at different places in life. And maybe the cards you were dealt weren't as good as somebody else's. Maybe you came up poorer than somebody else, or you came up in a more desperate situation. Maybe your parents weren't parents of the year the whole time when you were growing up. Maybe it's possible that, 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 that uh, some of the relationships you've tied yourself to, even as an adult, haven't helped you or blessed you. 
Sometimes financial things happen to us, or we get sick, or, or somebody we love gets sick, and, and, you, and we don't all get the same deal, you know? And in those moments, you can look at somebody else who got a little better deal and say, well, it's not fair that I got this and they got that. I, I'm just going to sit here and be mad about it, or you can adjust. But, but either way, whether you adjust or not, from every breath that we take, the clock is ticking. We only get so long on this job. If we spend all of our time upset about what we don't have, we'll never get anything done. So all you can do is just keep adjusting to the new situation, right? That's all you can do. That's wisdom. That's strength. That's character. When you keep adjusting to what it is, when you keep the main things the main thing, when you realize the plan you had may have to be adjusted somewhat for you to get to where you want to go, that's just character. That's just strength. And that's just wisdom. And those are all things that James will commend in this first chapter. So I'm just going to start off with it and just try to read uh, through it best we can. Uh, James, uh, letters in English, letters, American letters, you write a letter to somebody and people don't do that nearly as often as they used to. But when we write a letter, your name's the last thing in the letter. Uh, well, uh, James is, 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 is more how email works. Email, your address is the very first thing in the email, right? And that's kind of how old, old uh, Bible times uh, letters were done. And so it's from James. And he's a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations, he sends greetings. James, we believe, the guy who wrote the book of James is Jesus' brother. Uh, grew up with Jesus. Grew up in the same house as Jesus. Did not believe in Jesus, uh, through Jesus' teaching. I thought Jesus was out of his mind through most of Jesus' teaching. Only came around at the resurrection. When Jesus came back from the dead, that swayed James, and James uh, changed. It's actually one of the great proofs that Jesus did come back from the dead, that his, that his family turned and, and, and became believers in him, even at great personal cost. James, because he followed Jesus, was always somewhat of an outlaw in that part of the world and, and had to deal with a lot of a persecution. And so James doesn't identify himself as a brother of Jesus, doesn't claim anything special. I'm just a servant, he says. I'm just a guy trying to do the best I can. And so he's kind of starting from that basis. As one guy trying to do the best he can to everybody else, he says greetings. And then he gets into this thing. And I'm going to stay on this, this, this verse here for a little bit because there's, there's a lot here. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you have trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So consider, he says, consider is a gentle word, even though it's an imperative here, and it is a command, it's a gentle command. It's more like, you know, when bad things happen, consider that maybe God is up to something in the middle of it. Have a, choose to have a different perspective. You know, yeah, you certainly could be mad about it. Yeah, you certainly could be upset. You could even whine and, and withdraw a little bit. But instead of doing that, consider that maybe God is doing something through this thing. Consider that maybe God is going to bring strength and wisdom and character through this awful thing. It's hard to imagine now. You don't have to do it. But when bad things happen, well, you know, maybe God's doing something. Have some consideration for what the Lord may do in the middle of it. So he says, consider it pure joy. And that word pure means complete or overwhelming or whole. Uh, just have lots and lots and lots of joy. Not just a little joy, but lots of joy when you face trials. And, and to a lot of people, on a casual reading of the verse, that can kind of seem uh, like it doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it, well, who, who can be joyful when bad things happen? If you hit your thumb with a hammer, it's okay for you to be upset about that. I mean, I can't believe I did that, and it hurts, and i got to take care of it now, and you're mad. That's normal. But, but even in the bad stuff we, we, we go through, James says, consider 
that maybe God is going to do something through this. And if he does, well, you may be much richer at the end of this awful thing than you were at the beginning. And you're looking at Bible stories. Joseph in the, in the Old Testament uh, just had a terrible start to his life. Uh, became a slave and, and, and then went to jail because of, of his faith and because of his character, because of things he stood up for. But God still was with him and God still had a plan and God still brought him through. Daniel's another example of that. Daniel became a slave, wrote to the very bottom of the, of the, of the book. God didn't quit on him. And even though the trial looked like an awful thing, it looked like something terrible was going on, Daniel continued to trust that God was going to bring him through, and God does bring him through, and God will bring you through. And so we can consider it pure joy, not that we're feeling that joy right now, but we know we're going to. There's a verse in the scripture where it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. That's the kind of picture that James has here. For the joy set before him, for this knowledge that maybe one day it's going to turn around, and when it does... God's going to be there for me. God has always been there for me in the past, and I'm going to hold on to him and get there. So I consider it pure joy when I face trials. And the facing uh, trials are those things that surprise you. You know, um, I had a friend in, in, in uh, Tennessee, and uh, a relationship kind of blew up on him there. And, uh, and, and we're talking about it, and, and, and he's, he, he can't understand how it happened. He said, I don't understand it. I'm, 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 I'm a deacon in the church. I'm, I read and I pray and I, and I give and I, and I try to help out and I try to do everything right. And then something like this happens to me. How's that even possible? But that's how trials are. Sometimes you're doing everything right and they still find you. You know, some of the trials we go through are, are completely our fault. And with a little bit of reflection, you could see that. You know, you bark at your wife and she's in a bad mood all night. Well, I mean, we can you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out how some of these things work the way they work, right? I mean, sometimes it's because you started it. You did something foolish, and now you're paying for it. But that's not what James is talking about here. You were doing everything right, and the trial found you anyway. The doctor's report wasn't a good report, or somebody that you counted on, you can't count on them any longer. You know, something that you assumed would go a certain way didn't go that way at all. And again, just as illustration, I want you to think back about those kids on the mission trip. You, you, you show up in Mexico, it's been a long, hard drive to get there, you're tired, and you find that nothing is like it's supposed to be when you start. Everything you thought would be there is, is, is not there. The job will be uh, two or three or four hours longer because all those things weren't right. be very easy in that moment, especially if you... Um, we're in a different place, and, and everything, you know, it would be easy to give up or get discouraged. It's, it's admirable. It shows character. It shows maturity when you see the obstacle, and it makes you hold on tighter to God. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith will, will make you strong. And he goes on to that, uh, and, and uh, one more thought on that. He says, let perseverance finish its work so you can be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Become the kind of person who makes a decision you're going to hold on to God. You're going to let perseverance finish its work. You know, in the trial, especially the really hard trials, it may not end tomorrow. It may take weeks and weeks and even years to get through whatever it is that you're dealing with. But you let perseverance finish its work. You're going to hold on to God. You're going to trust that God's going to come through. You're going to trust that God's got a plan for your life. And it may be hard to believe. The story that Lance told in Communion Meditation is a great story to think about with this, with this idea. 
Uh, a father has a son who's handicapped and, and, and takes the son everywhere he can to try to get healing. He finally goes to Jesus, and when he gets there to, to, to Jesus to say, can you take care of my son? Jesus isn't in. He's not there. But there's some of his disciples there, and the disciples try to do what they can do, but they can't help. They can't fix it. And so when Jesus gets there, the guy is really probably at the end of his rope. He's tried everything he can think of. He tried to go to Jesus. Nothing worked out. Jesus finally shows up, and he says, you know, if you can do something, that'd be awesome. And Jesus is offended a little bit. If you can, he says, I can do anything. I'm the whole benefit of being Jesus. I can do this. What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? And the father's horrified that Jesus might be offended. He says, he says oh, no, 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 no. He says, he says, he says I, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, I want to believe. You know, when you're in the trial, sometimes that's all you can do. I, 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 I want to believe. I, I want to I'm trying real hard. The only Simpsons quote that I know, Bart Simpson is asked once if he will try to be better. He says, I can't promise to try, but I promise to try to try. And sometimes that's all you can do. I can't promise to try, but I'll try to try. And, uh, and when you do that and you make that decision, you're going to hold on to God even in the middle of it. You let perseverance do its work and God brings you to a better place. He says, James does, if any of you lacks wisdom, well, ask God. And he gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second, but this is a pretty important verse, too. It's possible when you're in the middle of this awful thing, the trial, whatever it is, that you would say to yourself, God, what's going on? I mean, why is it so hard? Why do I have to hurt like this? Why, God, haven't you fixed it already? And it's so frustrating. And so James says when, you, when you're in that situation, you should pray more. Because, and here's the reasons, God gives generously to all. God wants to answer that prayer. God will always try to answer that prayer. Sometimes people say, well, I don't think God answers prayer. This is a prayer that God always wants to answer. When you're in the middle of the hard time, you ask God for wisdom, and he's going to give it to you. He's going to show you what he's told. And it won't be like a supernatural skies parting from heaven kind of thing, but, but he will give you the strength to get through. He'll give you the energy to make it. He will, he will inspire you in your head with enough courage to get through one more day. And, and that's kind of how God works all the way through the Bible. And, the, and when, the, when the Israelites are going through the desert, he gives them enough manna for that day. They can't stockpile it. He gives them just enough to get through that day. When Jesus comes to the Lord's Prayer, he doesn't say, pray that God will make you rich. He says, pray that God will give you daily bread, just enough manna to get through today. And when you go to God, and, and it's, it's all on top of your shoulders, all on top of your head, when you pray to God, God, help me, that's a prayer he always wants to answer. And it says he, he'll do it without finding fault. That's kind of an important thing, because a lot of us assume if we're not the very best Christian, that maybe God doesn't hear our prayers because we, we aren't doing like we should in one thing or another. Maybe you, 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 you talk too much or cuss too much or drink too much or watch too much stuff you shouldn't watch or, or do too much stuff you shouldn't do or well, whatever it is. You know, you and your wife fight too much. There's too much something. And, 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 so, and so you say to yourself, well, God won't hear my prayers. He will on this. God doesn't find fault. If, if you want to know what God's up to, if you want to see God's hand, if you want to see God's presence, when you ask for it, God wants to respond, and he responds to everybody, the good and the bad. And you know who you are. 
<laughs> in all points in between, God promises to come through. But, now that first word's a hard word. It's kind of like a high point in the last verse, right? God's going to answer my prayer. God's going to make me wise. But, God's going to do all these things for me. God's going to get me through. But, but there's, 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 a, there's a one small, tiny exception here, he says. But when you ask, he says, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So what does this not mean? I had a friend who, uh, when his uh, first kid was born, first child born daughter, uh, the umbilical cord caught around her neck when she was coming out of the womb, and it, the doctor didn't see it in time, and the uh, brain didn't have oxygen for a, uh, a minute there. And so she was born with cerebral palsy. And, 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 and has, is an adult now, the, the little girl's an adult now and still struggles with it. It has never went away. And, and my friend prayed and 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 prayed that God would heal her. Prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Got her on prayer lists at many, 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 many churches. God would heal her. Didn't quit. I mean, even when, when uh, the little girl was uh, seven, eight years old, he was still uh, putting her on all the prayer lists that God would heal her. Not just that God would make it easy to get through, but that God would cure this thing that every doctor was saying uh, was not going to be cured. Uh, sometimes would even take her to faith healing services, Pentecostal churches at a faith healing kind of a service, uh, and, and it never worked. And one of his friends, and I, I friends in quotes there, one of his friends told him, well, maybe your faith isn't strong enough. Maybe you don't believe enough. That's why it's not happening, which is just a cruel and awful, terrible thing to, to tell somebody. And it's not true. It doesn't work that way. And, and this is not really the point of my sermon, but, but if you need encouragement in this area, it doesn't work that way. God, God doesn't answer prayers based on how righteous you are. That, that's not really how that works. And, and, and doesn't answer prayers based on how... Um, much you believe. I, I mean, uh, there's a story in the Bible where God, go, where Jesus goes to a funeral and he heals Lazarus, who is dead. He heals the dead guy. The dead guy didn't have any faith. He's dead. His sisters are alive and they're mad at Jesus. If you'd have been here, he'd be fine. But you weren't here, so now he's dead. What can you do about it? They didn't believe he could do anything. None of the people believed he could do anything. He says, "Open up the 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 the, 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 the casket there, the the coffin there, the cave there where he's at. I'll heal him." Oh no, no, we don't want to open that up. He'll smell. Jesus, says, I mean, none of them believed it, right? None of them had any faith about it. And Jesus can do what Jesus can do. That's the whole benefit of being Jesus. And so and so and so, it's not that. So what is he talking about? You must believe and not doubt. Well, okay, consider the flow of James's argument, right? He says, consider it joy when you face the trials. Trials are going to make you strong. Let perseverance do its work. You'll be wise. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you. But how does God give us wisdom? Well, a lot of times it's by walking with through us with the trials. Now, again, you can misunderstand me here and say, oh, so God gives me trials if I ask for wisdom? That's not what I'm saying. The trials we get either way. None of us get to avoid the trials. The wise man built his house on the rock. The foolish man built his house in the sand. The storm came to both men. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, the Bible says. Trials, sadly, in this world are going to come whether you're right or wrong, good or bad, up or down. The trials come either way. But when they come... When we hold on to God, we get strength, we get wisdom. If we ask God to carry us through the trials, we get more strength, we get more wisdom. But some people in that cycle, 
get frustrated with God. He's not moving quick enough. He's not making it easier. He's not making it more comfortable like they want, and they go off this other direction. Now, James says if you do that, if you choose not to hold on to God in this thing, then God will give you what, God's will give you, what you want either way. If you ask God for wisdom, he's generous. He'll give without finding fault. But if you tell God to leave you alone, God will honor that too. God will do it either way. And so a person like that shouldn't expect to get anything from God. They're blown like a wave of the sea. He, he, he goes on to say they're double-minded, right? They're, they're, they're double-minded. Not just like a wave of the sea, but they're, they're, which means they have two mindsets, two goals. Again, think about the, the mission trip. The, the kids are on the mission trip, and they've got their plan laid out, right? Here's my plan. Well, this is not going to work. The foundation isn't right. You can't do this plan anymore. Well, double-minded is to say, well, no, I'm going to do this plan either way. Well, it won't fit. It won't work. Double-minded is trying to, to do your, your plan and the plan you have to do. A, a, a parent, a parent. Most of us want to be happy, right? It, that's what we want for our lives. If you ask what we want for our kids' lives, I want my kid to be happy. I want them to marry somebody and be happy in that marriage. I want them to, 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 to have a, a life they enjoy. I want them to be, you know, content. It's, it's written into our national char- charter. Everybody's got the right to pursue happiness. I want that for my, for my kid. But as a parent, right, sometimes what they need is going to take you away from happiness. Sometimes what they need is going to keep me up all night. Sometimes what they need means I can't spend money on the things I want to spend money on. i got to spend money to take care of them. Sometimes what they need will make my stomach hurt and my headache. Sometimes what they need can make me very unhappy, right? So the double-minded parent kind of waffles on that. Sometimes they're there for their kid and sometimes they're not because they want to be happy first. But most parents, the great, great, great majority, they become single-minded. I'm a parent first. And so you sacrifice this other thing, this other plan you had, because you've got to do this. And you don't really regret it. It's, it's, it's what you were made for. Well, okay, same logic here. That person should not expect to get anything from the Lord. They're double-minded. I mean, what do you really want here? Who do you really want to be? What do you really want to accomplish in this life? One day, when we die, all we, Dallas Willard has this awesome chapter on this. One day when we die, we're going to present our soul to God. That's all he gets. He doesn't get any of our wealth. He doesn't get any of our stuff, any of our titles or our rank. He doesn't, you may be the prettiest person in here. Somebody's got to be. It may be you. How many of you think it might be you? Yeah, they're in the back. All right, all right. Uh, you'll see Jerry when you walk out. Uh, uh, but even that, you can't present that to God. Even our, our bodies, we can't present to God. All we present to Him is our soul, who we, who we became, our character, our, our strength, our wisdom. We present that to God. That's what, that's what it's about. That's what I want the most. When, when I die, I want to have lived a life of purpose. I, I, want, I want my life to matter for something more than myself. And, and not just about being famous or, or, or being important. I, I want to make a difference. I, I, I hope that, that, that at my funeral... I mean, I want the same thing most people want. I hope people aren't just beside themselves grieving. But I hope I've made such a difference in their life that they do miss me occasionally. I mean, I hope that I've made such a difference in their lives that, 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 that it mattered, right? That the relationships mattered. That, 
that they, that they felt loved by me and, and that I felt invested in by me. And I hope my one and only life, you know, the clock has been ticking every minute since I took my first breath. I hope that I made the best of it. That though my plans didn't always fit what I was given, I hope I did the very best I could with my time. And that's what I want the most. I want that more than being happy. I want that more than being comfortable. I want that more than being safe. And so I have to remember that and not be double-minded when my life doesn't go just like I want it to go. I have to remember that, that that God can use the trials sometimes to bring me to something better. I have to consider that God may have a better plan. Trials can do two or three things for us. They can can help you. Trials reveal my sin. When I go through the trials, that's when my sin pops out. When I'm a... When I'm just sitting on the beach, how can you, there's not much temptation there, right? I mean, you're just hanging out. But when things are going rough, that's when the real me starts to leak out. And, and it's not always attractive. Um, I got to go on a little bit of a road trip this last week and, uh, and drove and drove and drove. And, and I found out about myself what I already knew. I have a little bit of road rage. I don't like it. I wish it weren't true. But it is true. I just have a little bit of road rage. I, I, uh, I'll get behind two semi-trucks, and this semi-truck wants to go 71 miles an hour, and he passes the guy who's going 70. And it takes him about four miles to get around him. And I'm, I'm wanting to go 80 or 82, and I can't get around either guy, and I'm just dying in the back. I'm wanting to pound on the steering wheel. Now, now I'm with people in the church, right, on this trip. <laughs> so I can't do that, but I'm wanting to. And sometimes it leaks out. It leaks out. I don't, I don't want it to leak out, but it does. Sure, go on and pass me there. Take all the time you want. And I'm just dying in the back. And, and, or if he's really going slow, I might edge in there so he can see me in his mirrors. I want him to see me as I'm back in the back uh, dying. Now, I didn't get a drive the whole time. Uh, I had to hand off occasionally. And sometimes one of the other adults would, uh, would, would drive there. And, and, uh, and sometimes they would blow it. In something like that. Somebody would, would say something, they'd honk the horn, uh, which, which again, our name and our email address are right there on the side. But anyway, but uh, honk the horn or, uh, or, or kind of get, get, get mad about, about one thing or another. And I'd sit there and look at him with pity. Oh, you poor rascal. I can't believe, you know, you're, you're feeling that way. Because it's easy to see someone else's sin, right? But it reveals my sin. It reveals what I'm doing wrong. Again, when things are going great, I'm great. When things are going bad, the real me starts to leak out. And I see, again, things I need to work on. Sometimes it's not pleasant to work on it. Sometimes when I'm driving, Julia will say, hey, you know, it looks like you're getting mad. That never helps. That never, that never helps. It never helps. It just makes me matter. And I can't explain why it makes me matter. I wish it didn't, but it does. And I, and I need to work on that, too. I need to get better. I need to get better. And the trials reveal that to me. The trials give me strength. I don't like that, but it's the truth. The no pain, no gain thing, it, it's true spiritually. It, 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 it is. Um, if I was to ask you, and I want you to think actually about this. I want you to, 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 to in your head, get, get this in your head if you can. I want you to really answer this, not out loud, but, 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 but answer this. And it might be the kind of thing that you could even talk about with people that you're with here today later on. I think it's an interesting conversation 
Anyway, but I want you to think of an answer as I'm getting into this next thing. If I was to ask you, when's a time where you really grew spiritually, where you really felt like you took two or three steps forward, you know, spiritually? When's a time that that happened in your life? And you might not be able to think of any time. Well, it's never happened for me. And that's okay. And it's not, it's not, not, not a question designed to make you feel guilty. It, it's not. That may never happen to you, to you. And sometimes uh, we don't grow that way. Some guys just grow real subtle and, and it's, not, it's not big changes. But for a lot of us, it's usually during pain. Well, it's when I got that bad medical report, and I started praying every day that God would move, and I just I prayed and prayed and prayed. Sometimes it might be when something went wrong, you know, when, you're, when a marriage blew up, or when, when one of your kids really had a hard time, or when um, it can be, it's almost always the bad stuff, right? It's almost always the bad stuff that makes me finally wake up and say, okay, I, I need to get right. It, something goes wrong, and, and, and I need the Lord. I mean, this is, this is terrible. I need God to be... When I was in California, we had some leadership conflict, and it got real ugly, and occasionally got a little bit personal. And, and so you'd go to these meetings, and I'd just come home, my stomach would be in knots, my head would hurt. I, I'm just mad all over and about, about the stuff we, we just did. And, and what I found is that it got to where I was going to bed feeling like that whether or not I had been in the conflict. It was such a steady emotion for me that it was just like, I was just mad most of the time. I'd wake up, my head would be, would be aching, and I'd already be worried. And it started to affect my health in other ways. And, and it got bad enough that, that, I, that finally I woke up, because you don't see it, I don't see it right off, and you, you, you're walking down this hole, and you're, you're making all these bad decisions, and you don't see you're making the bad decisions. And then one day, it's so bad, you can't get rid of it. And I got to straighten up. And, and so I started praying, like every day, I would lay out a certain amount of time out just to pray to God. And I had memory verses I was trying to memorize. And sometimes those memory verses... Man, that's one thing that got me through. There was one of them, Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which guards your heart and mind, will, will, will guard you in Christ Jesus. And I would, I would read that, and I would pray it. And I'd pray for the peace of God to guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And, 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 and sometimes it made me feel better. Sometimes it didn't. But I just didn't quit on it. I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and I read and read and read, and I memorized a bunch of verses. I'm just trying to get God in my head as much as I can, and I came through. And I came through much stronger than I was on the other side. Now, I would never want to go through that again. And I wouldn't want any of you to have to go through it again. It's just awful to go through those long periods of, 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 of fighting, long periods of conflict. But I, I, I look at how I came through it, and I know it did something for me. God was moving, even in the middle of that awfulness. Now, James, uh, in the first chapter, he's going to start talking about money because money was an easy trial for James's. In James's world, the Roman Empire, there was the one percent who were rich, and then there was about ninety percent who were who were poor, who had nothing. Right, one percent had a lot; everybody else had nothing. And, uh, and so rich, poor stuff in church was a big thing. And somebody who's poor might think, well, there you go. That's my problem. I don't have anything. You know, I'm just barely making it. So James starts talking about that. He says, believers in humble circumstances, God's watching you. You can take pride in your high position. The idea that God's not forgotten you just because money's a little tight. He's still got a plan. And he says, the rich, 
you also need to know that the stuff that you're having, it's not going to last. It, it, it won't last. I mean, the stuff we, you, one day you're going to stand before God and all you're going to give him is your soul. He says, the sun rises with scorching heat and the plant and the blossom falls and the leaf's destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they're doing business. I mean, all the stuff that we acquire our whole life, it's just stuff. And one day it'll all belong to somebody else. I've told you two or three different times in sermons, we spend our whole life collecting stuff that one day our kids will fight about who doesn't get to take it home. You know, don't you want dad's uh, table here? No, I don't want that. You better take that. You know, and they're fighting about who doesn't get it. And you're collecting and it's your little treasure and it won't mean anything to anybody else. It's just stuff. And if you've been somebody who's been lucky to build a little stuff and accumulate a little stuff and have a little stuff and what's good? Ain't nothing wrong with that, but it's not going to take you where you want to go because it's not permanent, and you're permanent. It's not forever, and your soul's forever. You were, you were made for more than momentary distraction, and I love momentary distraction. I love to turn the TV on and waste an hour. I love to play a little video game, and, and an hour goes by. I love temporary distraction. I, I love to go to a ball game. And just watch somebody else work real hard for two hours. I, I get a lot of joy out of that. Um, I, nothing wrong with a little bit of distraction now and again, but it's just distraction. I was made for more. You were made for more. And that's how James ends this thing. He said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that God's promised to those who love him. One day you're going to stand there with God. And all this life, and all the trials of this life, and all the headaches of this life will be in your rearview mirror. It won't matter anymore. And all you'll have left is the person you became. You went through the trials, and you held on to God, and got stronger, and got wiser, and you didn't let go. That's all that's going to matter. Now, as we come to the end of the sermon... And the end of this time together, I recognize that some of you right now are not in any sort of a trial. Life is going pretty smoothly right now. So my, my word to you is uh, know that it's coming. Because it comes to everybody. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so we know that. Because we know that, now's the time to build that foundation real strong. Now's the time to, to, to make sure you know the Lord, to, to invest in groups and people to where you have relationships that can carry you in the bad time. Now's the time when things are easy to, to, to use your resources. You know, we don't talk about this very much. Things at Mount Pleasant are going pretty, pretty good. But there's no guarantee they're going good tomorrow. There's no guarantee they're going go good in, in, in the next week. So, so take advantage of this moment when things are going pretty good and throw yourself into it. Uh, if, if no trial's hitting you right now, that's the very thing you should do. But for others of you, you're right in the middle of something. And it could be anything. It could be self-inflicted, some sort of addiction that you've not been able to totally get your hands around. It could be a relationship. You're sitting by somebody and you couldn't even hold their hand right now. It would shock them if you tried. Um, you could have a relationship outside of here at work or with your kids or with your parents that's just barely working and it's just a constant weight on your heart. There's a few of you who are dealing with health stuff. The trials come for everybody. None of us get to avoid that. It's part of life. 
But you can, in the middle of the awful thing, hold on to God who promises to give strength and wisdom and one day take you to be with him. And I just want to challenge you not to give up. If you're in the middle of this awful thing, maybe the very reason why you're here today, maybe you didn't want to come today. Maybe you're still not sure if you want to be here today. (laughs) It's possible. It happens. But you're here, and maybe the only reason why you're here is to hear that this trial that you're in is not forever. And if you'll hold on to God, he'll pull you through. I'm going to have the band come back up. You know, as we close our service... We want to put our minds back on Jesus. The Bible says, for the, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that's the life he calls us to. Life may be hard sometimes. Sometimes life might smack us down. That's sad, and it, but it's part of life. But we know for the joy set before us, we can endure it. We know for the joy set before us, we can put up with the things that are going on now, because he did. Jesus, for the joy set before him, sacrificed everything for your behalf, so that you, even if you're just barely hanging on, could come back to him. The door would always be open. God would give generously to all without finding fault. All you got to do is turn your head that direction. And this end of the service is for all that business to be done. If anybody needs to come and make any sort of a decision with God, now's your time. If any of you are going through some awful trial and you just need some prayer for encouragement, Come up here. The guys on the side here will pray with you. If you want them to, they'll pray with all of us about whatever it is that you're dealing with. But if, if you'd rather just keep it private just there, then they'll pray for it privately, and, and you'll have somebody praying for you probably even after you leave here, keeping that in mind. So, so, so take advantage of this time. You're not all by yourself, and God is still watching. Won't you stand up? Dear Lord God, I thank you for this group. Pray for them, God, as we finish up our time here together. Ask you, God, to move in our lives. Help us, God, to see your hand and what you're about. Help us, God, to reach out towards you when we're in the middle of awful things, knowing that you'll catch us if we do. In Jesus' name, amen.